Hi, welcome to the Ambry podcast. Today we are with Jennifer Segi. I said that correctly, yes? Yes, you did. I'm very impressed. <laughs> thank I you for having you. me. <laughs> well, thank you. You're a parent-child coach, um, parenting coordinator, and adjunct professor as well. And a little quick fact, there's this website called Rate My Professor, and you are highly rated. Everybody loves you. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I do check that every once in a while, and it is interesting to read the comments, but I love teaching. I I love being able to do, you know, different aspects with the knowledge that I have. So not just direct contact with clients, but also teaching the strategies as well to students. Well, you take up the first two, three pages of Google and nothing but high ratings. You help children and parents that are experiencing divorce and other challenges, helping them come out the other side. Can you tell people a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes. So actually, um, I started off my career as a child adolescent mental health therapist. And what I was finding is that a lot of children were having some mental health issues because their needs were not being, de um, their developmental needs were not being met. Um, so I decided to start my own business as a parent child coach to teach parents what these developmental needs are of their children and how parents can meet those needs with some simplified parenting techniques, um, as well as teaching the kids some skills on their own, such as like coping skills and self-regulation skills, and so that they can deal with life stressors without, you know, it's um, tumbling into anxiety or depression. Or um, a lot of times kids, you know, when they have all these emotions, they don't know how to deal with them and end up acting out. So, you know, just giving them um, these positive strategies to deal with things in life we just can't escape. How did you find yourself in this line of work? So as the, um, I've always had an interest in behavior and trying to identify well, what makes a, a person, um, you know, make these behavioral choices. Um, in fact, I've worked in um, a juvenile detention center as well. So that was very interesting to listen to the boys' stories. And it's, you know, to identify where they've come from in life and what they experienced, you wonder, you know, if I was in that same situation, would I make those same choices too? Um, so you can see how a lot of the environment influences a person's behavior. So I had that interest. Um, and then becoming a mental health therapist for children and adolescents, I found that, hey, there's this other path too. There's this alternative to not just jumping in right away and giving them a diagnosis or even jumping in and putting them on medication right away. Well, let's see if we can have some of these other strategies that will help them in life. And sometimes children do, you know, have, you know, some disorders like ADHD um, that do require some medication, but a lot of the disorders really can be um, resolved through just meeting children's needs. And that has to be a preferred approach or a fresh approach for a lot of parents that you meet in your practice. I am finding that, especially, you know, when I was starting out as the child adolescent mental health therapist, I think a lot of parents felt like medication was being pushed on them. You know, I'd get a lot of intakes regarding children who could not concentrate in class. And so the teacher automatically thought it was ADHD. And there's so many things that can lead to a child um, or even human being not being able to concentrate. Um, so it, it definitely was. Parents were very appreciative of, okay, you're not automatically going to force the medication. Let's look at other strategies to help my child. You're looking at the whole child, the whole family unit, yes. the world and the environment that the family is in. Yes. 
So what are yeah. some of the, what are some of the commonalities or um, approaches, common approaches that you take with clients? Mm -hmm. Well, the approaches that I take with clients is really first just identifying what kind of behavioral issue or challenge that the child's having. And what's really interesting is a lot of times when the challenging behavior started, there was something that changed in their environment around that point in time. So really focusing on it in on that. Um, for instance, uh, you had talked about, I do specialize with divorced families, and that can be such a crisis for children to go through. And um, children respond in many different ways. You know, there's some children that will internalize that and become more depressed or anxious when their parents are getting a divorce or, you know, they um, some act out instead. Um, but really going back and finding what what was that change? And sometimes it's really it can be a small change in, in life. I had um, a, a couple clients, but one particular I'm thinking of is um, she started experiencing thunderstorms and started having a lot of anxieties because of, you know, her thoughts of what could possibly happen during thunderstorms. So being able to hone in on that and getting her to process it, as well as having coping skills on, okay, when, you know, I can't control that these storms are coming, but what are some things that I can do to help keep my mind off it and know, like reassure myself, have that positive mindset that everything's going to be okay. Um, so there's, you know, many different approaches, but really first identifying what what is going on in the child's environment that is causing this kind of behavior or challenge for the child. And you find that you get um, more sustainable results because you are working with both parents and children rather than being a child psychologist working with the child, but now you're working with the family unit as a whole. Mm -hmm. Do you find that the results are more sustainable? Yes, absolutely. I, I really did like that aspect of my business, that it is the parent as well as the child, because working as the mental health therapist, I actually had some parents who would drop their child off at therapy and then would not participate. And so that was very difficult because, you know, the children are limited to what they can control. And I'd still work with them to try to empower them to deal with the situation that they're dealing with. But the situation is resolved so much faster um, and easier with the parents um, when the parents are involved. In fact, usually it's about an average of three months that I work with families. Well, I, and you would you would imagine so because if you're empowering a child on how to you know operate within his his or her environment or practice certain coping skills, if the parent's not aware of that, or if the child's having to you know, tell the parent, this is what I went through in my mm -hmm. therapy. This is, this is what my goals are. This is what I'm trying to do. Sometimes they can't articulate all of that. It's a lot going it on. Is with a lot. It is a lot. And in fact, that it's interesting that you say that because sometimes they have, you know, one parent there and they try to, they go home and communicate with the other parent and then they're like, Oh, I, you know, not sure I got it all. So we have to make sure everybody's on the same page, but yeah, that is a lot um, for, for a child to, you know, communicate. So, um, yeah, very important. And I do have, I make sure, you know, I end the sessions with here's one weekly goal that we're working on and really try to keep it basic because I don't want to overwhelm the parent and the child. If we try to change too much at once, then right. everybody's overwhelmed and it goes out the window. So. And do you find that, you know, because families will go through dynamic shifts and, and things of course will, will happen. Do you, do you find that, most challenges 
um, things that families and children that are that are going through. Um, may it be a divorce or a separation of some sort, some sort of traumatic experience in that child's life, that if everyone's present, that that actually makes a very big impact right from the start. Absolutely. That support and just knowing that they're not alone in what they're going through is huge. Um, so that that definitely is a big, big part of resolving that. But I think uh, to add on to that, one of the things that is hard for parents, and I know I've struggled with this as a parent, is sometimes when they're going through those hard things like the divorce process, they have to go through the grieving process. You know, they're going to have their sad feelings and they're going to have their angry feelings. And as parents, we would just want to make everything okay. And, you know, sometimes we want to say, well, let's focus on the good. Do you want to go out to the park today? Let's, you know, do something um, that's fun. But if they don't, sit with their feelings and experience their feelings and they get stuck and fixated. And then after longer periods of time, that's where we see those um, long-term consequences coming in. Sometimes, unfortunately, like in adolescence or even adulthood, they might choose, you know, alcohol or drugs to cover up that painful feeling they've never resolved instead of, you know, just having their parents just be sad there with them. This is tough, you know, that having that loss, whether it's you know, the loss of their parents' marriage or moving and losing friends, um, even getting bullied, just, you know, the parent being there with the child is huge and letting them have their feelings. And I think that that's very important. I think a lot of it comes from we just, we want to make everything better, like you said. And then also our perspective shifts as we get into adulthood. I remember when my son was in kindergarten and he was having a bad day. He was just having a bad day. He was he was in the, a rare form mood where he was just a just a free of sunshine, but he was upset. He'd had a hard day. He'd had a rough day, and one of my parents was actually staying with me. And they're like, "You're not going to discipline him," and I said, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to talk with him, but I'm not sure what happened today. But let's say someone took his red crayon that he wanted in his world, the size of his world right now. That's big." That's huge. That stressor's huge. So it's it's equal to me missing a, a project deadline or getting, you know, something happening to me at work. That's the same stressor that's about that. Yes, absolutely. In his world at that moment, that was, you know, that was a big thing. And I think that's something that actually families have been dealing with over the last couple of months because we have had our children missing out on a lot of opportunities of you know, um, especially for seniors who missed out on prom or graduation. And, you know, when adults can look at it and think, okay, well, there's people dying, you know, because of the COVID virus or they're getting sick, but we can't neglect that it's okay that they have their feelings. Yeah, they're, you know, this was the huge buildup for how many years, 12 years that they look forward to walking across the stage and they've earned it and then they don't get to do it. So they're allowed to be sad and have their feelings. And I've looked at families who have let their adolescents have their feelings about that. You know, it took them a couple of days and they're bummed out, but then, you know, got up and did something else, but they were able to move on from their feelings. Right. Then just being stuck of like, I'm not supposed to feel like this. Why am I still feeling like this? Something's wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have our feelings for reasons and just, you know, yeah. letting, letting your kids have those feelings. But I, I like the point that you made that yes, 
we have to remember to look at it through their eyes. You know, they haven't seen how, you know, if somebody made fun of them at school or somebody doesn't want to be their friend and you think, oh, you know, how many people do you really keep in contact from elementary school anyways? You know, that's not that's not where they're at at this time. So just they just know they have to at. go back there tomorrow <laughs> and deal with that again. Right. Right. Yeah. And and I actually have a senior this year. So there's a lot of conversations around around that. Well, seniors, he's not going off to war and he's not doing this. He, you know, and I'm like, well, he's really not that bummed out or upset. But I'm wondering if maybe he's not because of the approach that we all took, which is, man, dude, we're so sorry. This <laughs> this isn't cool for you. Is there anything we can do to make it memorable or better like he's turned 18 and he's graduating during all of this so he's not had any celebratory anything I think it's tough yeah yeah and look at I mean the little time that you did spend on that and just you know and say hey this is okay compared to it dragging out or compared to it causing behavioral problems you know because he's not allowed to have his feelings so I think it's important for parents to look at the time that they spend you know, while you might feel like, oh, you know, I'm not getting, I'm not getting the house cleaned or I'm not going to get this project done because I need to sit there with my child while they have these feelings. You'll save yourself so much time in the long run by just investing that quality time when they need you. Um, so there's not those residual effects. And how do you, what, what kind of tips would you have? Because especially during this time, I'm sure there are parents out there feeling like because they have maybe they have multiple children maybe they're doing a very stressful work from home and they're you know school age children they're having to parent they're at the end of the rope like they're stressed out everybody is stressed out or upset or feeling some sort of way about what's happening what tips are you you know putting out there for for them because this is kind of unchartered hey be quarantined in your house for seven weeks with your offsprings and function at a high level exactly (laughs) you're taking all their coping skills away from them and you know start fresh absolutely you know i think the biggest thing is just to take a step back and just have some structure and some schedule in there to identify because you know we have parents who are working and still having to homeschool. So what time, you know, do are they going to dedicate to doing their work so they can make sure that they keep up with that, but also block off time that they are, you know, going to help their child with their schoolwork. So in that case, and I know some schools have gone out already, but in that case, you can have the child work on, on their work and mark down any questions they have. So that way, when it's during, you know, blocked out the time that you're working with them, they've already, got through a lot of it and you can help them specifically with what they need. And plus, I, especially as a, a businesswoman, entrepreneur, um, I've really had to work on structuring my life of this is time for my business and this is time for my kids because a lot of there's many years there. I actually, when I was working on my business, I felt guilty that I was not with my kids. When I was with my kids, I felt guilty that I wasn't working on my business or doing enough. So just being able to be mindful because that's what on the, that's what's on the schedule. And then in addition, if you feel, if you are a parent who feels like, you know, I just don't feel like I have any time in my schedule, start off with five to 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes for yourself, five to 10 minutes for your, you know, each one of your children and just be present with them, you know, ask them, you know, uh, 
the questions about, you know, what, what was the best part of your day? What was the least uh, favorite part of your day? You know, how you're feeling um, and just being there with them in those moments because that is, that's quality time. I know that there's, you know, working with parents, I have seen some parents who have had um, the quantity amount of time, but they're doing other things and multitasking and kids are really super smart. Like they pick up on this, that, you know, mom was on her phone texting while I was trying to talk to her. So they just shut down and they're like, oh, she's not listening. They get that. So instead schedule that time, make an appointment, make a date with your child on here's what we're going to do. You pick out something fun and for 10 minutes, it's all about you. And we're going to, you know, focus on what you want to do and make them feel special in that way. And that little bit of 10 minutes goes a long way. And then from there, parents start, start identifying, becoming more organized and um, are able to add on more time, more time for self-care for themselves, because it's very important that they stay balanced and then more time, you know, individually with their children as well. And them doing this time management and doing the self-care and the quality time and conversation, they're also leading by example because your oh. children are going to grow up and be adults. Yeah. They're, it's, the cycle is going to continue. Oh, that is huge. Yes, absolutely. And I think Brene Brown says, uh, has a quote to, you know, something to that extent that if you want to show your child, like one of the most important things you can do is show your child how valuable you feel like you are so that they value themselves as well. And, and that is huge. Um, parents, especially moms, I think we have some of that mom guilt of like always giving, but we don't realize that, hey, we're the role models here too. And we have to look, we have to show them how to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. What conversations are, do you suggest parents have with children right now in this time that they might be confused or anxious about what's happening and what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really has to do with each family. But um, what I like to do is I like to ask open-ended questions just to identify where the child's at. So that way you can identify how much information you need to give them. Because sometimes there might be a child who does require some more serious factual information and other children, it's like, you don't need to overwhelm them with all that information. So just say, you know, life is changing. You know, we're doing some different things. So, you know, what are your thoughts? What's, what, you know, how do you feel about this situation? You know, have what have you heard on the news? Um, and I, I did have this uh, client um, and, and little boy, he was five years old and he was scared to even go outside of the house. Thought if he'd go outside, he would die. So, you know, helping his mother guide that conversation and asking questions to identify that that's what that's where the anxiety was coming from and the fear. And she could, you know, tell him like, okay, you know, this is not if you go outside and we play in the backyard, it's you can't catch it because nobody else is around and just going through, um, you know, some of those logics about it, but also um, helping with his emotions, too, and helping him process that because without processing those emotions, we can't think from the logical part of our brain. So it's it's somewhat of a process, but always asking questions of just identifying where where your child is at this time and what you can do to either, you know, support. And that's the first step is, you know, identifying, then supporting them, sitting with, with them through those emotions and then looking at ways to empower them too. Of, okay, you know, if you can't play with your friends and you really miss your friends, yeah, that's tough, that's sad. You have a right to feel that way. Now let's brainstorm storm ways that you can get this need met. You know, do we set up a Zoom meeting and, you know, play a game through Zoom or even, I mean, 
today they have video games that they can play with each other, right? Right. All that stuff, you know, a lot of that stuff's over my head. But um, but yeah, there's other ways to connect. So always looking for ways to um, resolve our needs. And I think despite that this is you know, this is unpredictable, um, we're really setting up our children in the future. They can look back and say, you know what, that was different, that was tough, but what did we do? You know, we were like, yeah, we were okay. We, it's okay we have these feelings, but we look for ways around it, ways around the obstacles, because throughout life, there's gonna be so many different obstacles that we're faced mm -hmm. with. And having that mindset of, okay, how do we get around it? Instead of having the fixed mindset of like, there's nothing we can do. So I guess we just don't accomplish our goal here, you know? Right. So a lot of things that we're doing with our children, we're really, you know, we're, we are preparing them for life, you know? So this is just, despite that we probably don't prefer this opportunity to prepare them for life, this was, is definitely in many ways preparing them. Absolutely. And you work uh, predominantly with adolescents. Is that correct? Um, actually, more so children, but I do see uh, more of my caseload is children, but I do see adolescents as well. So it but you're also a mother of two teenage boys. Yes. And you have all of these skills so much so that you teach others on these skills. Um, do you what suggestions because I am one what as we move with our children as they're moving into adulthood and that dynamic is changing. I'm seeing a lot more of an independent streak. Like I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, he doesn't want to tell me everything that he's thinking and what's wrong. And if he's feeling something, um, it has to get to a certain level with him. Like it has to get to this really overwhelming level for him to finally go, okay, now you can come in and help me. But mm -hmm. until that point, it's very resistful. Um, however, though he's changing, I find that I'm not changing and I still just want to fix everything. <laughs> so. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is very hard. <laughs> I, I am finding myself in that position too, as well. But I think to, to change our mindsets about that as we did something right, if they are wanting to do this on their own, because we don't want to create a codependent child either. We did, no, you know, we, as much as we love our children. We, we want them to be successful. And if they yeah. kept coming to us, then I think that during this time where they are transitioning into adulthood, um, that would be a, a red flag and say, okay, we need to do something different so that they do, you know, fly out of the nest when it's time. Um, so just, just having that mindset. But I think another thing um, that is helpful for parents that I find um, works for me as well as works for my clients of adolescents is um, just letting them know that you're there and not being pushy about it. Just say, okay, just, you know, if you ever get to a point where you feel like you want to talk about this, you know, remember we talked about that it's healthy to talk about it. I'm here when you're ready. And a lot of times I've seen those defense walls just come down right away because they don't feel that pressure anymore to protect it. And they feel like they're coming on their terms. So I found so much more success just reminding your child and here if you ever need the help. Um, so you're and kind I, of moving from being a teacher guider to that safety, mm -hmm. that resource safety for them. Uh, yes, yes. So yeah, more of more of the guide to more of the support if they need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is definitely. A, um, I'm very glad I met you. I do believe that we meet certain people and have certain conversations when we need them, and 
I mean, I think everyone should have a conversation with you at this point because we are getting so close with all of our children um, through especially this time right here. I mean, a lot of families are spending more time together than normal. Yeah. Without all of the commutes and the, there's no extracurriculars or anything like that. Um, what was a defining or a defining moment for you in your, in your career, in your coaching that you decided to go into entrepreneurial and on your own? Mm -hmm. Well, I, um, I really feel like my journey started when I found out that I was accepted to graduate school and pregnant on the same day. Um, so, you know, being young and single and moving away, it was, I think, over 350 miles away from anybody I knew. I knew the stats were going to go against my child. So I wanted to make sure that um, I did the best and set him up for the best possible success. Um, so in my, you know, even though I wanted to be a child adolescent mental health therapist, I felt like I need to know everything. I need to just make sure that I'm prepared. Let me make sure that I get all the parenting information, learn all about the ch um, child developmental needs, adolescent developmental needs. So despite that, that was a really difficult situation. I felt like that propelled me into, okay, let me just get all this information. Um, and when I did practice, graduated and practice as a mental health therapist, I can then look at, whoa, wait a minute, here's the disorders, you know, and here, here is what's going on in the environment. And I know what the ch children's needs are and they're not being met. So let's, let's focus at, at it at this angle. Um, so I would say, you know, that hiccup there and, and not planning on being pregnant in grad, graduate school actually helps me identify um, you know, this other area that parents can really focus on to help their child develop in a mentally healthy, behaviorally healthy way, um, for sure. And with everything that you do, what, how are you continuing to, to grow and what's next for you? Mm -hmm. and that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, so Facebook and, you know, doing the marketing and this new brand way of, you know, um, marketing your business through social media, that is a whole new world to me. So I'm learning all about, um, you know, how to market your business through Facebook. And I started a Facebook group um, called Successful Parents. So it's a free group. And I just, um, I focus on different techniques that parents can implement to help their child. This past week, I did a parenting tip on how to safety proof your child's self-esteem. So I talked about, um, you know, the movement back from like 1969 until probably last decade where a lot of parents were giving, um, you know, the more of those empty praises of just saying, good job, you're wonderful, but they weren't really connecting it to anything that the child was doing. And they actually found that could create narcissistic personality traits because um, it really creates a weak self-esteem. So um, those individuals who have that are more likely to try to boost themselves up and break or um, exaggerate more of their accomplishments and belittle other people's because they don't really have that healthy self-esteem. Mm. Try to cover up that deep anxiety they have by using those unhealthy buffers. So I discussed uh, you know, three steps that parents can take in order to um, make sure that they are promoting a healthy self-esteem, such as giving that descriptive praise to your child you know, telling them, you know, you studied really hard 
um, and look at how well you did on this test because of the effort you put in this test. So then the child's making that connection and they're getting that positive reinforcement. So that's going to improve the behavior as compared to that empty praise such as you're, you're smart. Um, Dr. Carol Dweck, who does a lot of work on growth mindset, she actually found when you do give those kind of empty praises, they don't, children lack that internal motivation because they think, well, I'm already smart, so why do I need to put any more effort into it? So I thought that was like an interesting perspective that she found. Um, so then I also do a challenge, I'm doing a challenge this week on having the parents in the group post how they're giving descriptive praise and then the one who does the most at the end of the week, they're going to win a $10 gift certificate um, to Starbucks. Um, so it's it's just uh, a group to create those healthy habits and just focus on one area at a time and then doing um, uh, engaging in those techniques, making sure we're creating healthy habits for ourselves that are ultimately going to affect our children. So that's exciting to figure out how to keep people engaged and what people are wanting to learn about. Yeah, um, it's definitely a new world out there on social media. I, it, it does bring up a question as you're working with these parents and just take descriptive praise, for instance, are you finding that as you're helping parents reach their parenting goals and improve and, and relationships with their children that you're having to counsel the inner child that they have? There, yes, there are definitely some times that um, that comes up. And, um, you know, there's so much that I can do, but I try to keep that boundary too, because um, it can get, sometimes I recommend that they get their own coaching or their own therapy, because um, that can cause a lot of blurred lines between what we're focusing on for the child. But absolutely, it's so important for the parent to be okay in order for the child to be okay. So a lot of times that's, you know, one of the first things I do is make sure the parents in a good mindset and good place, because it is going to take some energy to tackle some of those tough behaviors <laughs> that right. some of our kids present us with. Absolutely. And then the example that you had on the test, you know, you studied so hard, you did so good on the test. That's whether that letter grade on that test is A, B, or C. It's the amount of effort that you're recognizing, if I'm uh -huh. understanding Oh, absolutely. And to, to give you a personal example, um, you know, my youngest struggled more and and I do think he had more of that fixed mindset that he should automatically get this. And we, I remember studying for a science test. and He was getting so frustrated to where we had to take breaks. We had to take several breaks because we we're just it was not healthy. I knew nothing was going to get accomplished if he was, you know, sitting there getting so frustrated. So we would take a break, come back. And I think when he finally took that test, I think he got a B on it, but he was so proud of himself, he, you know, that he got the B and he saw the connection between, okay, I do have to study. Now that boy is in high school and makes straight A's on his own. He doesn't, he used last year, he asked us to help him study here and there, but this past year, he's, he's done it all on his own. So looking at, again, um, you know, those investments that I was talking about of taking some time. Yes, it's, it's tough at first, but it's really investment in your child and getting to the place that, hey, they can do it on their, their own. And, and you're not in those arguments with them and saying, hey, you're, you know, you're getting a D in this class. Why is this happening? In fact, you know, during this time that parents were talking about having to spend time helping them complete their assignments, I would just check in daily to make sure that they were both of them were completing their assignments and they did them on their own. And again, both of them have straight A's. So 
again, setting, setting them up, spending time investing in these skills so that they can be successful later. And uh, I think another important is in that example where, you know, you, you worked with him, you studied so hard and he went and got a B, had a parent said, well, next time you'll get an A. You know, even yeah. though it's not a coming from a bad spot, it's right. like little things. You're like, but I worked my butt off for this B. Yes. Yeah. And it just, just praising those small, that small progress. That's huge. And I do, I, I have found parents that have done that. And I try to get them in the mindset of like, you know, you just don't go from A to point Z. You have to go through these you know, this process and looking at that as progress and as successful, you will, you know, you and your child will eventually get there. I can, I can see why you get such high ratings as a teacher and um, as a coach and why you're so successful in what you do, because this was a wonderful explanation because, you know, you usually have uh, two camps of parents, those that are like, I set high standards and I do a, B, and C, and then you have those that, you know, that people, oh, these kids today, they get trophies for everything. And you're definitely going, actually, that's not what's happening. You've got to be somewhere in the middle of that. Oh, yes. Everything's a balance, for sure. <laughs> Everything's in a balance. Mm -hmm. And for the majority part, um, I think that we're, we're, we're doing that balancing right now mm -hmm. more than we've ever had. So... Um, where can people find you and your Facebook group? Because I love that you offer a free Facebook group. Yeah. So the free, <laughs> yeah. With, um, so the free Facebook group is um, called Successful Parents. And if you go into the search bar and um, type in from parent stress to parent success, it will pop up as successful parents. Um, and then my website is www.successfulparentsllc.com. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time that you spent with us today. I can't Thank wait you. to air this interview and get people. Hopefully I can help a little bit with the social marketing. Yes, absolutely. And this has been a joy. I love getting on and talking about, about this because I, I have a bias. I think you know, so many things do stem from childhood that if, if we can just teach parents and, you know, here are the needs, here's how to respond to the situation, we can set, you know, our children, our next generation up for success. So I enjoy the opportunity to go out and spread the word about parenting. I'm so glad that you are. So if anyone out here listening is a parent um, or even an aunt or an uncle that has a big impact in your nieces and nephews lives. Um, if you're parenting in some way, go check out, uh, Jen's parenting group. And if you're looking for a parenting group, then you need it because we all need friends when <laughs> we all need friends that we're sharing in this journey together. Yes, absolutely. And especially parents, because sometimes you can feel all alone and, mm -hmm. you know, something you've experienced and you can go in and type, you know, this is what I'm experiencing. And all these other parents are like, yep, that's normal. Yep, that's me. And <laughs> I'm not alone. Even if you're in a, a, a couple, like I, I was a single parent, but I co-parented as well. But it, that's even a different dynamic. But even if you're married, you can still feel so alone happens often unfortunately yeah. yeah so we're here to give you support <laughs> for free 
go get go get the support. All right. So I'm going to let you get back to your day. Thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you to all the sponsors of the Embry podcast. Without you guys, we couldn't keep bringing you shows week after week. Special shout out to our co-producers, Jay Beam and T. Martin. You ladies are amazing and your support means the world to me. If you'd like to be a live audience member, you can find us at www.patreon.com forward slash Anbry. You'll get to see and hear all of the interviews before they hit the airwaves, get access to Q&A and bonus content from and with our guests. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.